What a year it's been at Northside as we've talked about grace in so many ways. And every single month of 2018, we have endeavored to give you a challenge, a, a way of pouring out grace and showing unmerited favor to others. This last month, I'm going to go easy on you. Uh, there is nothing to do. Uh, there is nothing to sacrifice. There will be no bracelets to wear at the back. The challenge is simply to be present. Uh, as we are in the hustle and bustle of the holiday season, as you have more to, to do than you can really do, I want to challenge you to take those moments you have with friends and family alike, co-workers, to be present. To, to view every interaction that you have, every interruption that you might have, as God calling you to be present fully with that person. And to ask yourself this question, how can I show grace to them? How can I reflect God's goodness and God's glory in this moment? May you be present. In an age of distraction, one of the best things that you can give each other is the gift of your presence. Today we begin a new series called Because of Bethlehem. It is beginning to look a lot like Christmas everywhere you go. As we uh, drive down the street, there's no doubt that we'll see Christmas lights, maybe on St. Paul, uh, maybe down at Botanica, uh, perhaps on Candy Cane Lane. But it is no doubt that people have spent a lot of time, certainly a lot of money, and a lot of effort putting up lights. We see Christmas in the decorations of our homes, not just on the outside with the lights, but on the inside with, with the trees. Uh, the Leverings had kind of a... A funny new tree this year. Last year, uh, our our tree had finally met its maker, and we decided to get a new tree. So we waited, of course, till after Christmas and went and got the new tree. And we didn't need, it, of course, so we just took it from from Walmart where we got it and just put it in the storage room and promptly forgot about it. Uh, what I had forgotten about that tree was, and what in the world I was thinking when I bought it, I don't know. It was covered in gold glitter. <laughs> Our house looks like it's full of pixies and fairies right now. It, it is, it, there's gold glitter everywhere. Um, mistake on my part. But, but it's obvious to see that we're in that season of time of year. Even the songs on the radio. Music that is that is played, played by radio stations that normally would have nothing to do, are, are playing songs about a strange man in a strange world and a strange message that we might hear. Songs like, Angels We Have Heard, O Come, Emmanuel, O Holy Night, O Little Town of Bethlehem. Uh, the other day, the, the staff, when some, oh, I've got to explain this tradition, when someone has a birthday on the church staff, we all go out to lunch together on or around their birthday. And we'll take them. Everybody pitches in that the birthday boy or girl gets a, a free lunch. And so this was Bob's birthday lunch, and Bob selected DeFazio's just down the road here. And as we're sitting there, we're all interacting, we're talking, and we are 
enjoying each other's company. We've, we're waiting for the food to come. And in the background, without words, is... And there's no other time of year when a, when a re, when you will go and hear a Christian message at a restaurant, you know, excepting Chick-fil-A, of course, that, that, that you're going to hear a song that if the words were introduced, Oh, come let us adore him. Oh, come let us adore him. Oh, come let us adore him, Christ the Lord. Isn't it amazing that God still uses a story in such an impactful and pervasive, uh, almost undeniable and certainly not ignorable way that that throughout our culture, that the words and the message of a man who lived 2000 years ago and the impact of his birth. So we measure the calendar. It has been 2018 years since he was born. We measure every single day by not just his birth, but his life, his death and his resurrection and and the, the beauty and the joy and the impact of a season that we still celebrate. And I realize there are some skeptics, some scrunches, some, some scrooges and some grinches, uh, or scrunches, whichever way, um, that are sitting back there. We go, well, yeah, Christmas, just a commercial holiday. I don't even like it. Yeah, okay, I get it. I get it. I get it. Lump of coal for you. But may we acknowledge that our culture that there is an opportunity with our friends, with our neighbors, with people we don't know to plug them into a message. And yet sometimes, sometimes weirdly in the church of Christ, it's a little different. I can remember it as clear as day because it was a Sunday and it just happened to fall on Christmas Day, December 25th. Now, you understand, I was not raised going to church. The B-I-B-L-E was not the book for me. And so I, from my unchurched background, just, just go, well, going to church on Christmas, obviously, we're going to talk about that. And the message of that morning was what the Bible has to say about acapella music. Now listen to me. I, I believe in singing. Don't misunderstand. But what a missed opportunity. When the world who does not know Christ is being introduced to Christ all over the culture and the, 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 the group, the, the light, the, 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 the people that should be proclaiming him the most are not using the opportunity to say, ah, there is a story about a man. And this morning we'd like to tell you about him. Well, that's, that's not the case at Northside. We, we want to tell you about the story about a man who changed the world. And if you're here, maybe you've heard some of those Christmas songs and you've wondered, who is it that we are saying that we should adore him? And why on earth should we adore him? We're going to be talking about him over the next three Sundays. While the world's thinking about Christmas, while the radios are playing songs, while the decorations are up, while we're all in the Christmas mindset and mood, we're going to turn to the pages of Scripture to talk about a story that changed the world forever. 
Not just today, but every day. Not just every day, but eternal days. It is the story that changed all stories, if we'll let it. When we open the scriptures, of course, we understand that December 25th is, we have no idea if that's the day when Jesus was born. That the Bible never says a word about when Jesus was born. But that he was born, there can be no argument. The wise men never met the baby Jesus. Uh, Jesus was much older than a baby by the time that they met him. And in fact, the, the common Christmas story is that there were three wise men, but the Bible never says that either. The Bible says there were three gifts, but it never mentions about there could have been 333 wise men. All of those are sort of trivial. All of those will win you a game of Bible trivia and make you look really smart. But his birth matters. And and this book spends four entire chapters talking about how he was born and, most importantly, why he was born. And so we're going to talk about it in this series called Because of Bethlehem. We're going to talk about the beginnings of the man who changed everything. And I hope you'll turn with me in your Bible to Luke chapter 1. Verse 26 and following Luke chapter one, verse 26 and following. And if you don't have a Bible with you, you can look on the screen. But if you have one, I'd encourage you to turn there and follow along. In the birth uh, in the sixth month, God of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man Named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. In this first part of the story, we see the first of three things happening. And the first thing that we see happening is a holy interruption. Do you know that Mary and Joseph, when it says they were Pledge to be married was no small thing. Last Sunday, as many of you know, I performed a, a wedding uh, for two uh, for, for a, a young man and a young lady, and it was a beautiful day. And every single one of those that I do, I'm reminded of the beauty and the power of the covenant that God created to be for a lifetime between a man and a woman. In the Jewish world, a wedding, we think a wedding is a big deal, and it is a big deal, but, but the wedding ceremonies that I've been a part of, at least, are not usually that long, uh, half an hour to 45 minutes at the most. Uh, uh, the, 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 the ceremonies that follow the reception, whether it's cake or punch or, or dancing or, or whatever it might be, uh, uh, might last a few hours into the evening, but usually the entire affair is, is over in less than a half a day. I don't know if you're married, what... Your wedding day was like, but I'm guessing it was nothing like a Jewish wedding. First of all, Jewish betrothal was as legally binding as marriage. In every way, Joseph and Mary would have been considered to be marriage, uh, married. And in fact, as we know from Matthew's story, it, it would have required Joseph getting a certificate of divorce to end it, to dissolve it. It was that legally binding. The only difference in being betrothed and being married was the consummation. A Jewish wedding was a big 
affair, lasting many days, involving many people. Uh, there are lots of traditions that goes on from the bridesmaids and the, and the, the, the groom and the, uh, the back and forth between those two parties. I'm not going to go into all of the details on that, but, but needless to say, it, it involved a great deal of planning, forethought, and preparation. And in the middle of this wedding plan that they no doubt had, an angel shows up with a, a message. The angel says, greetings, you who are highly favored. One translation says, greetings, you, greetings, Mary, <clears throat> full of grace. I love that. Uh, he's speaking to the one that would literally be full of grace, full of Jesus, full of God's gift to her and to us. But you need to know, as much of a gift as that was, that that was a violent wrecking of their plans. That things weren't supposed to go that way in that order. Isaiah chapter 55, verses 8 and 9, the prophet said this, For my thoughts, speaking of God, are not your thoughts. For my ways are not your ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. God's ways are higher and better and always right. I mean, if you could just, without the limitation of the ceiling, if you could look up, as we were driving into church this morning, Tyler watched what seemed to be a jet flying across the sky. As as we were looking up at it, it, I considered this verse from Isaiah 55. It's it's nearly impossible to see the end. I mean, you're limited by sky and clouds and atmosphere, and then you go into the known universe. It's impossible to see the highest point. And that's what God says, his ways are that much higher than your ways. And in the moment, in Galilee, to an unknown virgin who is likely very poor, an angel of God named Gabriel brought a message to her about how God was going to wreck her wedding day. Has God ever wrecked you? Has God ever wrecked your plans? Has he ever changed what you had in mind? Let me ask you this. When does God ever, ever do things your way and in your timing When it's not in God's time, you can't force it. You can try as hard as you will, but it will not happen. But when it's in God's timing, you cannot stop it. And what was your reaction when God wrecked your plans? When God took your timeline and stretched it out longer than you wanted, what was your reaction in that moment? Was it anger? Was it fear? Was it doubt? Was it worry? Let's look at what Mary said. Mary was greatly, this is verse 29, now you'll bring it up on the screen. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive And give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever, and his kingdom will never end. I went to go visit the Dentons yesterday and their new baby boy, Callion. And it's always fun to go see a new baby. And Mary says this, 
How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. As I watched Lindsay sitting there with her little boy and, and Daniel so proud of their newborn son, as any parent is in that moment, and you just imagine as you hold them, what will they be? What will they become? What, what is their purpose in this world? And imagine for a moment, if you can, what Mary must have felt about this newborn growing inside of her, this unexpected wrecking of their plans. And the angel telling her he'll be great. Now, every mother thinks that about their child. But Mary was absolutely correct in knowing that because an angel told her how great he would be. But in that moment, the second thing we see is human hesitation. The second thing we see is a natural result of the natural interacting with the supernatural. And when the natural world interacts, intersects with the supernatural, there is this human hesitation that the scripture calls of Mary wonder. But it was more than just the wonder that Moses experienced at the burning of the bush or the wonder of Gideon wondering how they were going to have a victory with just a few torches and trumpets. This was a wonder left in her a, almost a deep kind of fear, a troubledness for good reason. The angel said, do not be afraid. Fear is the common natural response to seeing supernatural things which we cannot explain. From human, from a human perspective, understand, now, now you gotta hear that first part, from an entirely human perspective, Mary's growing baby bump was a growing problem. Because see, that, that is human reasoning now, come now let us reason together. You see a, a woman with a growing bump, and you begin to assume some things, and, and that is what the assumptions were being made about Mary, is that one, she and Joseph did not wait until marriage to consummate the marriage, which was defiling themselves and defiling the holy covenant of God. Women maybe would understand better the judgment that Mary would have felt the hushed whispers that she knew would have been about her. The second thing, and this is what Joseph would have assumed, is that if for his bride-to-be to be growing, to be carrying a baby which he knew was not his, meant only one thing, that she had committed what in legal terms, from a Jewish perspective, would have been adultery. And that was severe. And Matthew chapter 1 tells the story of how Joseph wrestled with whether or not he should divorce her quietly, not only because, well, because he was a righteous man, because he was a God-fearing man, because he didn't want to be associated with sin or with, more precisely, something that he could not explain. Put yourself in Mary's shoes for just a moment. Try to explain that which you cannot explain. Even today, some hesitate and deny or question the virgin birth. They say it's unscientific. They say it's unreasonable. That it's impossible for a woman to bear a child without a male. 
But it is so crucial to how Jesus came into the world in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. If you want to turn there, Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14 is, is a prediction of how the one called Emmanuel would come into the world. Therefore, this is verse 14, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Jesus was both fully God and fully human. We call that the incarnation. And how in the world you bring the holy and the human together with anything other than just a violent merging together of that which we do not understand even today. We may not understand it, but it doesn't mean it's not true. The story was not about ho, ho, ho. The story from Mary's perspective is about whoa, 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 what? What are you talking about, Gabriel? Wait a minute, slow down here, back up the angelic truck. Beep, beep, beep. Did you just say that I am going to have a child? That I am going to bear a child? How will this be? Did I mention to you that I am a virgin? Never ask God how. Never ask God how. Because you won't even believe it. Even if you could understand it, you won't. The Holy Spirit will come on you, the angel says. The Most High will overshadow you. Oh, thank you. That fully explains it. We may not fully understand, but God's truth Truth itself is never dependent on our full understanding for it to still be true. Then Mary's reaction of fear changes to a response of faith. We go back to Luke chapter 1 now, verse 36 through 38. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. Did you catch that? Why would, why would Gabriel, I mean, I realize that Elizabeth's story is cool and John the Baptist and all that, but why did he bring that up here? Because at one end of the spectrum, Mary's thinking, oh, whoa, 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 I am way too young. And Gary, uh, Gary Gabriel brings up the angel Gary. That's what. <laughs> Gary Phelps is sitting up. Yeah, pretty good. At the other end of the spectrum, Gabriel brings up Elizabeth. There's a reason for that. Because he's saying, you're too young. You're too young for God to work. Well, let me tell you a story about your relative. Everyone thought she was too old. And she's in her second trimester. She's coming up on the third trimester, baby. God works. Even if you don't understand how he works, never under, never fail to understand and stop believing that he works. Regardless of your age, regardless of your situation, regardless of your understanding, God still works. She who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. I'm the Lord's servant, Mary answered. 
May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel, then the angel left her. The last thing that we see here is humble submission. Those who serve God walk in his steps. An angel serving God brings Mary a word from God about the living word who is dwelling within her. And Mary's response is beautiful. I think I'm too young. I know I'm not prepared. This has violently wrecked all the plans. How on earth am I going to explain it to my parents, to my family, to Joseph? But may your word, may your word to me be fulfilled. Remember, her son's attitude was much the same on the Mount of Olives in Luke chapter 22. He he was praying and sweat was coming down. It was like blood drops. And he prayed to his father. Please let this cup pass from me. But not my will. But yours be done. You see, the word of God is powerful. It was the very words of God that spoke you and I into existence, spoke all creation into existence. Nothing was made apart from the utterance of God. The word of God is effective. It does everything that God needs. In Isaiah 55, the scriptures say, it is, so it is with my word that comes from my mouth. And he compares it now to rain and snow coming from heaven. He says, it will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. It's powerful, it's effective, and it's eternal. Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. You realize everyone in here is going to pass away. That at some point, everything in this building is going to be gone. At some point, the entire planet, everything in all creation will be gone. Everything will be annihilated completely. And yet, this will remain God's word. True as it ever was from the first moment to the last. It's powerful, it's effective, it's eternal, and it's true. In a world that increasingly questions truth, increasingly questions the value of truth, asserts with some degree of truth that there can be no truth. God's word is true. It's the only thing in this world that holds up as true. Jesus said, sanctify them in your truth. Your word is true. And yet this word, powerful, effective, eternal, true as it is, is also violently transformative, completely uncomfortable, absolutely interruptive, and eternally challenging. This was the word to Mary. The same word to us is the same thing. Mary's response was this. She yielded. She obeyed. Fully. Mary's response was both beautiful and humble. And so this morning I ask you, what is your response to the word? We can learn a lot from Mary. One, may we embrace holy interruptions. You've got some plans this week. You may have some plans for today. And you may leave this building and God may have an entirely different plan for your day. When you are wholly interrupted, 
It is my prayer that instead of resisting it, you will embrace it humbly. May we not hesitate on how, but may we humbly submit to the holy word of God and trust him. Trust that his ways are higher than ours, that his timing is better than ours, and that he knows what's best. And may we be his servants. May we trust his will above our own. God may be calling you this morning to move from the hesitating of how to the humble response of I am yours. I am your servant. This morning, God may be using this very moment, this very message, to be a holy interruption. He's calling you to say, listen, you, you, you do not know my son Jesus. You have not obeyed him in belief and faith and confession of his name and baptism into his beautiful body. And you may need to do that. If you need to respond to the holy call of God, you can do that this morning to trust Christ enough to simply do what he said to do. May Mary's attitude of humility be ours as well. May we hear the word of God if you need to respond to it in humility and obedience. Please come this morning as together we stand and sing.